Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 78. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what is up? Uh, not much. Getting ready for our big trip, our big excursion. So, Oh, yes. We are of, heading west. A lot of planning, a lot of packing going on right now. A lot of that going on, yes. Go west, young man. That's what they said. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, please check us out at skibumpodcast.com. We've got blog posts and all of our podcasts and social media links. Hit us up, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, soundcloud.com slash skibumpodcast, and on Pinterest, we are the Highfalutins. So, Mario. To get us started. Where we always do. Oh, uh, yeah. We always start with our Apre Today. Now, I think we almost need a little bit of a story as to how we acquired our Apre Today. Yes, yes. So last week, uh, we decided to go up, uh, went up to our, our home mountain up in Killington, stayed overnight, and uh, Brian, you were up there early with a few, with another buddy skiing like Friday. I came up Friday night. Yeah, Friday there was a few inches of snow on the ground in Killington, yeah. so it was a, a real it was a real nice day Friday. Very, it was pretty crowded though. I was surprised. Oh, you for said for Friday, yeah. Wow. Um, and then we got blessed with a little bit of snow uh, Friday night. Well, to kind of get ahead of ourselves, our pal Julian and the pout look gave us a heads leg up. up and gave us a heads up, and we took advantage of nice. that. Good, good to have that intel. Yeah. So thank you, Julian. And we were talking about it all week. We were like, you know what? We're, do, we're looking on the map, looking on Google. We're like, it's only two and a half hours to go up to Jay Peak. And Jay Peak's been getting a lot of snow, great tree skiing up there. So we're like, you know, and then we started looking at, well, where in relation to Jay Peak <laughs> is one of our favorite breweries? So we started looking. We're like, it's only like a maybe a half hour out of the way. No, I don't think it was only, I think it was like 15 minutes out of the way. It wasn't much at all. So Not like, far at all. We kind of killed two birds with one stone. Like, we wanted to go get beer anyway and visit our favorite brewery. Um, and we got to do Jay Peak. So it was kind of like everything all worked out. So. And Jay Peak had a foot of snow on the ground. They had a foot on Friday night. A fresh snow, yeah. Oh, so it was great. We Granted, got, we weren't the only ones who had that idea. But we did get up early. We did get up early. 5.30. 5.30. We left the house at, what's a little after 6.15, 6, yeah. And we got up there. Yeah, mountain was already open, but we got it. We got there nice and early. Yeah. Got our tracks in. Got a, uh, we'll talk a little bit later about our experience <laughs> there, potentially at Jay Peak. Yeah. We might as well just say it now. Yeah. It was. Don't take the tram ever, ever. The tram was freaking horrible. We reported on it over the summer. So Jay Peak had, you know, they have that, that, that Ponzi scheme issue that they're dealing with now. Issue. Oh. And they had another issue this past summer where they, I guess the, um, the maker, I think it's Leitner is the maker of the tram cart that goes up there's you know two tram cars and they you know go up and down um to the peak and i guess whatever the conversion from metric to english for the maximum weight capacity was incorrect i don't know how they figured this out they read it incorrectly or they printed it in the book incorrectly or something and the thing's been up yeah. for decades yeah this thing and i mean magically they found five million dollars to fix this thing last summer which is you know suspicious and weird but regardless, the uh, the max capacity now is 30 people. And, and what, it's a pretty good-sized tram. And what was it before? I don't even know. It had to be at least 50. 
Think about that. Because I almost double the Because we got on there, and I mean, you had room to do push-ups. Like you had, yeah. you had elbow room. I mean, after we got on, yeah, you go to the one in Jackson or Snowbird. I mean, they you are jammed in there. It's yeah. like a Japanese subway. Yeah, that's right. You get the guy with the white gloves like pushing you in, <laughs> the whistle and pushing you in. Yeah, right? I mean, there was there was room. You could do jumping jacks. You there, could... there was a lot of room. I was like, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, but it took us what an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes. No, it in was line, two hours. I was trying to round it down. I'm trying it, was, to... it was two hours. And then the best part is, oh. so we're waiting for the tram, and I'm looking up. I'm like, hey, guys, there's a dude on top of the tram. There's a man on the tram. <laughs> was coming down. He had this hair, like long hair. It was like all snowed over and iced over. And he has this mallet. And apparently he was up there to knock off ice off of, I guess, the sensors, which is why the tram kept stopping and why we waited online for two hours to get it. Yeah, and everybody we spoke to in line, everyone was like, oh, yeah, this is our first time here. <laughs> so apparently, if you're dumb enough to go there and it's your first time, you take the tram. Well, everyone else knows to take the one lift, which is re- maybe you lose, what, 100 feet of vertical, and it's just a traverse anyway? Yeah. So you're really not missing out on anything by no- taking the tram? Nothing at all. Or taking the uh, lift taking instead the lift. of the tram? Yep. But yeah, like so the tram would stop every, I don't know, every couple minutes, and you hear the dude, like you're banging above you, and the guy's actually knocking ice off. Well, there was like this bird's nest on top where he was like sitting for the ride, but then when it stopped in the middle of going all the way up, we're probably, I don't know, 100 feet up, and you hear him get off of the uh, his little perch, and he's like walking around on top of the the got the uh, the tram. It almost sounded like he's having a fight with somebody up there. We were joking around. <laughs> it was like a James Bond movie, right? We were saying <laughs> he's like fighting the guy, and then you hear him on the radio. He's like, I don't know why it stopped. It just stopped. We're like, all right, that's not good. And then you hear him banging stuff, and he's like, okay, oh. go ahead and start it up. It's all clear now. Like, what the hell's going? Hold on, on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah, it was a bit of a shit show. So that was a uh, part of our ski day experience, and afterwards we went. So after that experience, the rest of the time at Jay Peak was awesome. It was the trees yeah. were dynamite. We had a great time. Awesome mountain. The one annoying thing: no backpacks. They're very big on cracking down on backpacks. It's right apparently a, a, a state of Vermont rule where you can't take wear a backpack on the lift. Yeah, they're cracking down though because out west they've had you know a few people dangling as we've covered. Nerf the fucking world. <laughs> Nerf the fucking world. One person does something stupid and everyone else has to pay the price. Well, you know what it is if you welcome don't welcome to it, America in 2017. <laughs> You know, as if you don't do up your backpack, it dangles, and that's where it gets caught. So wear your backpack the right way. It's survival of the fittest. I know the angle, I'm a dangle, and there's no problem. <laughs> you know, right. nothing's dangling, nothing's hanging. Everything's nope. locked, secured, good to go. Then again, nobody died, so why not just let us wear our backpack? Thinning out the herd. Thinning out the herd. Thinning out the herd. Nerfing the world instead. Nerfing the world. Yep. God damn it. All insurance right. and, yeah, whatever. Happy stuff. So anyway, so we finished our nice ski day, had a great day, and... We were making sure we, we, we had a timeline, like, we used to be out of here and by we were like on 3.15. We were on time. We were good. We were watching our time, like, we're like military precision. So we got out, and we drove to the the place, the, the, the mecca of beer, uh, Hill Farmstead. Is it the number one brewery on earth? On earth. I think it might have been two years ago. I don't know who it was last year, but I know they had this whole big thing. It was like 2015. I think they were rated number one in the world. Yeah. So um, we went out. They actually had, and what we're drinking now is their Shirley May, which is an American porter, uh, 4%. Uh, this is the first time I had it. I don't think I had this before. Um, it's a, a an occasionally brewed 
um, American Session version of the Everett Porter. So I think it's a little bit milder, but uh, it's really good taste. Um, a little bit of little bit of hops, but you know it's a porter, so you get that barley, malted barley flavor in there, and uh, it's not sweet. Uh, chocolate coffee, light malty sweetness, and uh, it's like a tribute ale to uh, tribute porter to, um, I guess Shirley May, whoever she was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all you see, you I'm looking at it in the glass right now. I mean, it looks like coffee. You know, mm. you get a lot of that, and you smell it too. You know that that really yummy cocoa and coffee smell and yeah. malty. It's uh, it's really light. It looks like a really dark beer, like it'd be really heavy. But yeah, it's super light, very drinkable. That's um, like a nice light coffee flavor. Like you can drink this for breakfast. Yeah, really tasty. Like we had breakfast, and we had a breakfast porter, right? Or it was a breakfast stout. I think it was a breakfast porter because usually it's a breakfast stout. That's what like founders and all them make. Right. This one was from 14th Star. It was a little bit different. Yeah. But I could see this with breakfast. Definitely. Yeah. This is a little bit lighter too. So this is really good. Yummy. So yeah. So if you're ever in the uh, the J Peak area and you're going south after that, Hill Farmstead is not far away. So you cut your ski day early by like half an hour or so. They close at five. They close at five. They yeah. have very strict rules. Their timelines are very tight. And so we're driving there, and the road, so you're on the quote-unquote main road, which is a two-lane road, and you have to take a dirt road to get to where Hill Farmstead is. So we're looking at the clock. We're like, all right, it's like 425. We're going to have plenty of time. We're only like two or three miles away. (laughs) We're going up this dirt road. Now, it was snowing, and it had been snowing the day before, and we see a car in a ditch and a tow truck blocking the road. (laughs) <laughs> and we started to panic. <laughs> like we're we like were freaking out. We're like, okay, we could run there. It's only two miles away. We can be there in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> how many growlers can you carry? Because you brought a shitload of growlers. Yeah. And we're like, how many can you carry? Can you cover maybe a tenth of a mile, a quarter of a mile? How far away we were? We were serious. Yeah, we were. We were very concerned. It was going when down. We saw that tow truck there, but luckily the tow truck kind of like saw us and moved out of the way. They were real nice. They were. They were like, oh, sorry, and, you know, they moved out out of the way right away, which is good. And the crazy thing was, we got there and it was empty. Like there was maybe what ten people there in yeah. the tasting room. They were saying uh, in the tasting room, they said it was probably the snow that everybody was out getting some fresh pow, and they didn't come to visit Hill Farmstead as much that day. So they didn't realize they could do both. Good for us. We were on time. We had our our schedule set. So. Yeah, we were out of there almost at five too. So it was we went about in there. What, fifty minutes from St- uh, J Peak. Yeah, so that's not it's too bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, you can almost do it for lunch. <laughs> almost almost but yeah so hill farm said we uh we definitely had some growlers and consumed some some goodness from up there that night that we night. had oh yeah we we, we went through two big growlers didn't we two big growlers Between a small growler and i'm trying to think if we did any more i think that was it that was only four of us that's pretty pretty but we're talking they were both double ipas they were eight percenters yeah yeah i tell you the next day woke up early and went skiing it was fun they're just made with magic it was the magicness so in good there. That was very good. Yes. So big shout out to Hill Farmstead. We love them. You will surprise and impress us. And I'm glad they had this one because I was like, oh, I never heard of it before. Let me let me try it. Hey, with one of your nine growlers filled. <laughs> and then I had plans like, oh, I'm going to give a growl. I got to give a growler to so-and-so and a growler to so-and-so. And then after we drank the crap out of it, like that night, I'm like, all right. I I'll, have nothing left. I have more to share, but I don't think I'm giving anything away. You know, it's, I'm basically breaking it open with people you give know? them like a sip yeah yeah you just draw you get one pull that's it <laughs> and you're done it's good to share you know 
Yeah, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. But with that, it's time. Oh, we're taking a trip on the gondola. And it's time. Speaking of the tram. <laughs> it's time for Frank's Beat of the Week. And this is actually uh, a Mrs. Bean selection. Ooh. So thank you to Frank and Mrs. Bean. Uh, and we're talking about the Dirty Chai Chocolate Truffles. And where is this coming from? This is from the Sunshine State, Colorado. Telluride, oh, if you will. Nice. And uh, so we're talking Dirty Chai Sativa. Now, these are chocolate truffles. They are 10 milligram THC, and the container contains 10 of them. So 10 times 10, for all you math majors out there, that's 100. Ooh. So what these are, you know, like I said, they're 10 in a container, and they're ginger, cardamom, black tea, and espresso flavors coming together in a signature Belgian chocolate, along with CO2 extracted uplifting cannabis sativa to give you an energizing morning buzz. Enjoy during the day or at night when you're feeling social. That would go good with this beer right now. Dude, that would be a dynamite combination. Right? The little hill farmstead and one of these little truffles? See, mm. only if goddamn Cowardly Vermont would have legalized, Damn. they could have had these. They could have had a whole tasting session, you know, a pairing. A, we, we could still dream. A weed chocolate beer pairing. Yeah, I like that. That's not a bad idea. You know what? This, is, this could happen in the next year or two. Pair it up. Make it work. You know, teamwork. Things work together. People helping people. Layers of flavor. Yeah, I like that. But on that note, since we are still in the gondola, there are, there's a little bit of news this week. So the state of Maine, it is now officially legal to smoke weed in Maine. Nice. And now you can't go and buy it yet. They, they're still working on getting that sorted out. But as of this past Monday, which was the 30th of January, Maine's recreational marijuana laws are now in effect. So this means that you can it's legal to gift it, grow it, and possess up to two point five ounces of that's cannabis. A, that's a lot of weed. We actually <laughs> had to look up how much two ounces was, and they were showing pictures of it. So if you picture a dollar bill, imagine five of those with like chunks like with the buds on there. Buds, yeah. Like a pile of buds the size of a dollar bill. So five of those. So one dollar bill is a half an ounce. So if you have five of those, that's two and a half ounces. Yeah. And that's how much you are legally allowed to possess. Quite a lot. That is quite a lot. And you can gift it and grow it. So walk around, just give, give gifts to people on the street. Hey, you're visiting from out of town. (laughs) Welcome, man. This is how Mainers welcome you. Right. Welcome. It's a maniac. Welcome. The maniacs. That's right. And you can grow it. So I imagine everybody start your planting. I don't know where you'd get seed, though. Ah, it's probably not a big deal to find that. I'm, I imagine you'd order mail order them. Just get the mail. Oh, yeah, these are tomatoes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, no, if it's legal in that state, you should be able to ship. It's like being able to ship alcohol only to certain states. But you have to get the seeds from Maine. It couldn't cross state lines. I think hmm. that's the issue. Oh. Yeah. Got, there's going to be a Johnny Weed Seed out there. Johnny Weed Seed? Just handing them out, just sprinkling them all over the highways and stuff. Or perhaps there's some sort of offshore, you know, like those um, those oil rigs? There's like a weed rig, and you have to go. It's just in international waters. Take a boat right out. Take we'll a boat, boat right out, bring them on in. Or you, or somebody just sets up a boat, and they just pull right up. A lobster right. boat. Open for business. 
Selling lobsters. Lobsters and a little bit of whatever else seed. you want. Yeah, little see? edibles. Lobster roll and uh, cannabis seeds. I like that. So way to go, Maine. Way to go. Um, next, we found a story about the NFLPA. So the Players Association for the NFL is actually doing a lot of research, uh, and they're coming up with a proposal for less punitive approach to marijuana use. So they say they realize that with the laws of recreation being passed in a lot of states, it's becoming an issue of, well, they realize they have to change with the times, uh, but they're also realizing, you know, this whole issue with um, players getting addicted to opioids and some people are using it for pain management, that it may be something they want to amend to the policy for uh, either loosening the laws for people uh, that are using it for pain management or uh, actually making it, you know, able to be used in certain situations. So they're kind of going through all different permutations of it uh, just to see where they want to go with it with the NFL. But Well, it was crazy because we were looking at it, and I never realized that it takes four <laughs> missed or positive tests to trigger a suspension without pay. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty significant. Now, does that mean it has to be during the season, or can it, or is it any time of the year? I don't know, but I think there's more to I think there's a there's like time limits and there's like consecutive tests. Mm-hmm. I thought it used to be four consecutive tests unless they changed it. So that means <laughs> <laughs> So you, you blow it three times and then you're cool for a while? And cool for a while, I'll get tested again Restart. and then you just start Starts again. again. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's why it's funny, like whenever a player gets suspended for marijuana, it's like, Oh man, you know, you, you know, he had one bad situation. No, he had four <laughs> that yeah. he got caught on. So oh, man. um but yeah, it's good to see the NFL is you know kind of getting with the times and trying to clean this up a bit. Well, if they want players to have a longer longevity, they got to really do something about what they allow players to take. And mm-hmm. there are some players. I mean, there's the guy on uh, who's on the um, Ricky Williams. No, the guy on the Ravens. He got suspended. Oh, that's right. Because he he came out and told them he's like, I'm taking you know marijuana for pain management in the off season, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to stop. And they dropped him, right? And they dropped, yeah. They cut him, or uh, I think they suspended him. I look that up, but yeah. The NFL so. is in a very tough spot right now, where they're 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 battling. You know, they're not. It's not the cash cow that it was before. You know, ratings are down. Yeah. I mean, I watched the real the most recent real sports, and they were showing Kevin Turner, who like died of ALS last year, mm. and uh, just the way. I mean, the way your body breaks down so fast after you you know get to like your forties. And if you've had all those concussions and, and you know, uh, head injuries, I mean, your body breaks down completely. You degenerate to almost nothing, and you die. They were showing another guy, Steve Smith, who was, like, this big, tough fullback for the Raiders back in the day. He's, like, in a – he married a Raiderette, a cheerleader, and now he's, you know, in a bed with, like, a tube – they're sucking up his drool, like, you know, feeding him oxygen. It's crazy, man. Like, it's amazing. So, you know, they've, they've gone – further with their investigation of concussions trying to alleviate that um but this is the next step is the pain management and you know it's so easy to be like oh yeah here's some oxys take these and you're like oh well two were great let me take four let me take eight let me take 12 now yeah you know and you get hooked on those and you can't just stop taking those at that point actually go into withdrawal it's crazy Yeah, you are hooked yeah so something like you know cannabis you take it if you don't take it for a while, it's like, eh, no big deal. There's there's no withdrawals. There's no side effects. There's just, 
you know, you, you can just stop using it when you want to. Right. And especially for what they go through. I mean, it's it's good for relaxation and pain management and all that, you know, just to sleep and stuff. I mean, with the injuries they get, um, it's a lot better for them. Uh, Eugene Monroe was the guy. So he was in the NFL for seven years. He was the first active player to petition the league, publicly ask the league to let players use medical marijuana. And they denied the request, and he – I'm trying to think if they cut him. I think they cut him in they June. They did this summer, right? Yeah, he he was released in June, and he's just going to retire. But he, I guess he figured he's near the end of his career. Let me just raise it as an issue, and he was probably doing it in the offseason anyway. And it kind of rocked the boat a little, but I think they're looking at it now because, you know, there are players that are just retiring early. I mean, you look at, like, Megatron, he retired last year. Um, and, yeah. you know, he probably had, like, another – five to six to seven years in the league that he could have played. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, it's great. I made enough money. I'm young. I don't want to get beat up anymore. So I think yeah. the NFL is looking at that. They're looking at the concussions. They're looking at player injuries, addiction. And I think they're looking at marijuana in light of like, what is, what does it mean to the, to the sport? So, yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to recognize the NFL in 10 years, from what we're seeing right now. I think they're going to shift. Well, they they have a big issue because you have it legal in certain states where they're playing NFL and they have teams. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to players that it's legal? So in the same instance, can you say they're not allowed to drink? You know, like wh- what do you do then? I mean, because mm-hmm. if it's a legal substance, you're actually saying, okay, it's legal, but because you're in the league, we don't want you to take it. Okay, well, it's not a performance enhancer. It's a pain management thing. or Unless you're boarding or skiing. Boarding or skiing. That's right. <laughs> But why would it be any different than, than alcohol? So I think yeah. that's questions coming up, too. Like, why would you ban something that's legal? It's just so silly how we've come down this path. You know, this, this whole prohibition. You know, it, it happened with alcohol. Yeah. We saw how stupid it was. Now we're all seeing how stupid. The, you know, alcohol is way worse for you than the yeah. cannabis ever is or ever will be. Oh, yeah. And we're just, we're finally, because of the internet, we're seeing the truth. We're getting the real information. And I think there's a lot of people who have a certain mindset ingrained in their brains. And a lot of them are old white dudes, which are the most of what owns the NFL teams right now. Yeah. So as the, they slowly start to die off and people who are, you know, have a different a different generation comes up, there's going to be a very different outlook on this. Well, I also think they're being forced by just the younger generation and it being legal. Now if people yeah. are looking at them and say, why, why would you do this? It's, it's legal. Well, yeah. look now, Massachusetts, it's legal. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't buy it technically in any of the stores or anything, but it is legal, and the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. So if Tom Brady comes in all baked, are they going <laughs> to ban him for the Super Bowl? Yeah. What if you have two Super Bowl teams that are from weed states? That's what happened, Colorado, and, uh, when it was the Broncos and the, uh, the Seahawks. Everybody's, everybody's baked. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. Everybody has to get baked. That's what, that's, that's, what, that's what they're going to have to do the Super Bowl now. It's got to be in a dome. If you want water, there's THC in the water. Yeah, it's got to be in a dome. So everything kind of stays inside the dome. Oh, a smoke they out. turn off the filtration. Boom. There you go. Start the, you know, instead of like a smoke machine, it it's like truly a real truly is finally a Super Bowl. <laughs> that's right. It's a Super Bowl. <laughs> nice. All right. And we still have one more story from the Gondolas week. This is a fun story. 75-year-old man accused of getting his entire church high on weed cookies. That is awesome. So I guess this lovely gentleman, uh, he was out in Indiana, a nice, uh, very, I guess it's a very nice place, but it is not a cannabis-friendly place at all. Um, Now, I think the the wording of this article, it says he was lacing the cookies. Uh, 
lacing always that always had a very extremely negative connotation to it, didn't it? Yeah. You know, like that's like you're lacing weed with like you're maliciously PCP or something. Maliciously doing something. You yeah. Know, you're, yeah. But I guess the problem came <laughs> when the uh the folks who were eating them were between the ages of twelve and seventy. Oof. So yeah, you want to keep it away from the the tykes. But he um he admitted to making the cookies, but denied adding the illegal substance to them. You talking about the twelve year old called him out, said, "I know what this is. This is good stuff, man." Yeah, can I get some more cookies? <laughs> so the police obtained a warrant to search his house and found an orange pill bottle containing capsules of a brown, oily substance, which later tested positive for marijuana. So the baker turned himself in after a warrant for his arrest had been issued. So he's been charged with criminal recklessness and possession of hash oil. Hmm. And then, like, it's so funny, the, the I guess, the head priest, we are praying for everyone involved. Praying for them, for who took a little bit of, who had a weed cookie. I don't really think you need to pray for those people. I think, so, well, I think the problem is you're going to take these weed cookies and be like, this entire church is completely nonsensical. I can find God by eating a couple more of these cookies. Or you want to come to church more. Hey, I'll go to church every day. <laughs> yeah. You got these cookies again? You got to line out the door. Wait, people waiting to get in. I heard you made cookies. Is that true? <laughs> Are you giving out cookies at, at this mass? All right, I'm coming. <laughs> body of Christ, body of Keebler. That's right. Body of cookie, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Hey, that's one way to bump up your congregation, that's for sure. That's true. <laughs> Pretty funny stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, so who knows? He could have uh, just misplaced uh, what he... Thought was I thought that was vegetable oil. Vegetable, yeah. Damn it. It was in these little capsules. I thought it was strange, but I just did it anyway. Yeah, these things happen, you know? Yeah, but yeah, that's right. No crying over spilled cookies. Yeah. So with that, we have a new segment. I like this. Uh, it's very, um, very weather-like music, right? <laughs> very weather-like? Very weather-like. Yes, we've got Julian's pout look for this week. So Julian actually helped us, you know, decide on heading up to Jay Peak based on his uh, forecast last week. So thank you again, Julian. So this week, we've got a smaller, low-pressure system moving across the Great Lakes and moving over the northeast midweek. A much larger, low-pressure system is brewing off the coast of California, bringing lots of moisture through later in the week. So best bets for the upcoming week. Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming will see some constant snow through this week. Jackson Hole could see over a foot by the end of day Friday. Jackson's going to pounded. Yep. Northeast should see a little more snow coming through Wednesday, mainly in northern New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire, up to five inches. Nice. Big winner again. A goddamn again. California. Between Thursday and Saturday morning, California could see up to three feet. Heaviest snow Thursday night through Friday. Resorts that are looking to see the most snow. Alpine Meadows, Kirkwood, Squaw Valley, and Mount Shasta. Hmm. So this past week, Northeast finally got some snow. Uh, The storm we talked about last week brought some great snow to the east. In terms of weekly snowfall, east side of North America got nine of the top ten spots. Hmm. Coming in at number one with 44 inches, Smuggler's Notch. Damn. And Stowe. Um, Sugarbush uh, broke two feet as well. West was quiet, but next week it's looking like things are going to 
kick up again. So it looks like, you know what? Last year, it was all West Coast. East Coast got nothing. This year, a little something for everybody. A little sprinkling. A little lot something. for out West, but a little bit for everybody. That's right. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you, Julian, again for your uh, for the pout look. Yeah, thanks. We like we we look forward to that pout look every week. Cross nice. our fingers too, when we know we're going somewhere. We're like, oh, it's coming our way. That's right. All right, it's time for ski news now. And now in ski news, following that uh, wonderful weather report, we um, our buddies at on the snow have a a week outlook as well. Now, it's very similar to what Julian had, uh, so he called it right on the money. Uh, One of the things I picked out of this, which was pretty neat, is they're saying the two big things I picked out, Jackson Hole, they're getting pounded twice. There's like a storm hitting uh, end of this week and then another round going next week. Uh, They're saying Utah, which we're watching Utah for a particular reason. Um, They're going to get – they're not going to be in the area of getting pounded, uh, they're just going to get missed, but they're going to get a dusting of like some some snow. Uh, probably not this weekend. Probably they're saying beginning of the week, I think, is what their forecast is. So we'll look forward to that. Things could change. Maybe we'll get a little bit more snow. Um, we just want to make sure that travel conditions are good for out there. Yeah, if somehow we can, <laughs> if there's any sort of weather control device we can get our hands on to maybe like Tuesday afternoon to Tuesday night, kind of conjure up a dumping in the snowbird area tuesday wednesday that'd be perfect overnight that would be wonderful yeah like block everyone out wednesday morning so they no one come up the access road hey as long as we get to ski it's all for us that's right it's a beautiful thing i don't think it's gonna be that crowded anyway right we'll see we'll see we shall see but yeah so it looks like there's another round like i guess last was it last week week before they had that big storm system that came in so yeah. now, again, this week, there's another big storm system, but you got the clipper stuff moving down from, I guess, Canada, and that's where the east is getting some snow. So it's good to see that weather pattern start changing. And temperatures dropping big time, too. Yeah, it dropped today here. I mean, it was like a 10, 20-degree drop yep. again. It was like 40, and now it's, down, it's going down. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Promising. All right, next up. So we're going to the, uh, the business side of things. And uh, Peak Resorts just released their um, their earnings through the end of January, and they're saying that their season pass sales from the beginning of ski season to the end of January was up 28% in units and 23% in dollars compared to last year. That's a lot. Yeah, and paid ski visits for the company's 14 resort portfolio we're up 40% through the end of January compared to the same prior year period. So the uh, the results from uh, Peak Resorts, whose uh, ticker symbol is SKIS, adorable, has been <laughs> really strong. Now, um, they mostly own East Coast and uh, some uh, you know Midwest resorts. They like Hunter and Mount Snow and, and you know a few others. So this is a oh, here we go. Uh, Atatash, Wildcat, Crotched Mountains, uh, Jack Frost, and Big Boulder. So yeah, mostly mostly East Coast resorts. Now, this goes to show that when you have snow, you will have much better financial, you know, numbers. 
Because last year, as we remember, the East Coast was a disaster. I mean, it was really, really bad, especially around Christmas time, which is when you know a lot of these resorts get a significant chunk of their their revenue. But this year, lots of snow all over the East Coast and big numbers from peak resorts. Yeah, I like in the um, in the the one thing I saw it says. Uh, they talk about the EV5 approval to fund organic growth through Mount Snow's Westlake Water Project mm-hmm. and the Corinthia Ski Lodge Project. And the EV5 was the what led to the Ponzi scheme up in Jay Peak. So <laughs> yep. I had no idea what that was until the last year and a half. <laughs> See, so this, it's kind of funny. Like, now everybody knows what that means. The podcast is fun, and you can also learn something. Learning. Yeah, that's right. Always learning. That's what we're all about. Spreading knowledge. So speaking about the business end in Vermont and the Northeast, there's a rumor that Snowbrains put out there. Um, I don't know if they validated it or whatever. But well, the original story was from Stowe Reporter. Right. Yeah. Small, local. So the rumor is that Vail is about to buy Stowe uh, Resort in Vermont, which would be quite wild and maybe lead to some more uh, speculative stuff going on on the East Coast. Uh, but yeah, I mean, big, big brother getting even bigger. So they're saying it's uh, rumors circulating that they're going to get purchased, uh, and that would make um, Stovale's 14th ski resort. Wow! And vale right now is the biggest uh, company, right? With the their purchase of Whistler, yeah, Whistler I last think, year. I think that made them the biggest. I, I don't know if they. I don't think anybody toppled them since. So. Yeah, it's it, the um, right now. So right now, Stowe is owned by technically AIG, hmm. and they've ended up. So I, I guess they were a different company before that kind of rolled up and eventually became AIG. So they've been in the same family since you know for seventy five years. So you know the fact that it would become part of a, a big conglomerate like Vale is huge, and they're saying part of what would be good for the consumer is that right now a season pass at Stowe is seventeen hundred dollars. That's brutal. Which is big friggin' money. Yeah. And they're saying that, you know, now because you're part of a bigger company, they could subsidize that a little bit more and get it down to maybe the nine hundred dollar nine hundred seventeen hundred would be huge. That's big. Especially if you're huge. a couple or a family. I mean that's <sighs> two for one pretty much. Oh yeah. And they're saying that you know, in addition to that, they have the Epic Pass, which allows you, I think it's, was it four or five days at uh, their family of resorts? Yeah. So now you can get this as well. So you could do some days here, go out west to another place. Might have to do a ski house at Stowe. That's a lot of driving <laughs> from where we are. But you're closer to Mad Taco. Ooh. The other place. Out, shout out to Mad Taco oh, in Montpelier. That's right. Fantastic beers, awesome Mexican food. Mm. So good. God, we ate focal our faces banger. off. Cans of focal banger. That's right. And heady topper. And heady topper. And uh, they had super session, and they're getting probably going to get sip of sunshine on draft there. It's it's madness. And they had a hill farm set on draft too. Yeah. Was it Susan? Su- Susan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so great. Oh, we put it on Instagram. We put the little board up. Yes, there. Yes, we did. Instagram.com slash ski bump podcast. But yeah, Mad Taco, and they have the the other one, the bigger Mad Taco, the original one is near there. That's the one in Waits. Waitsfield, yeah. yeah, right by Smuggler's Notch and We're having the I'm hope. sorry, Sugarbush and uh, Mad River Glen. Mad River, yeah, Mad Taco Man. If you if you're around there, look it up. Hit ah, oh, so good. Two locations, right, Montpelier and uh, Waitsfield. Waitsfield, 
Yeah, they're awesome. Mm. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry again. We ate our faces off. We ate like three meals. Oh, so good. That was Fish really tacos, good. dynamite. Pork tacos, also dynamite. I had pork taco and pork torta. Torta. Mm. Ooh. Love me some torta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. This was from Snowbrains, and this is from a, a small ski company out in Colorado, Romp Skis, R-O-M-P, not to be confused with Ramp Skis, which closed down last year because their skis sucked, allegedly. Um, they've hit pay dirt. They've got a military contract now, and the company is two brothers out in Crested Butte, and they won a contract with the U.S. military to build skis for the 10th, uh, 10th Group Special Forces. That's awesome. Yeah. So they, um, I guess they had already been working with the government to create, um, I guess they made skis for retired 10th Special Forces groups recently. And since they made those originally, they you know, kind of were a front runner to win this contract. And yeah, it was between them, Icelandic, Rocky Mountain Underground, Black Diamond, and Romp. Um, and the military tested them out and decided you know, what they wanted. So the skis had a set of standards that they had to adhere to. They had to be 165 or 175 centimeters long, 100 millimeters wide underfoot, and had to include grommets in the tips that could be removed to build a rescue sled. Hmm. And, yeah, so Romp ended up being the uh, the winner of this. And now they're making, uh, they're getting a huge boom for their business. That is great. With this contract, yeah. It's really cool. They could technically say they make military-grade skis now. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's, yeah. That's a really good story, too. Yeah, they're saying that the, you know, the the criteria that they need are are special for the, you know, for the airborne 10th special forces group. You know, these are elite green berets weighing up to 225 pounds, not including the 75 to 100 pound packs. They needed tools for traversing deep snow and they needed the ski to be nimble, but capable of floating 300 pounds of soldier over snow yet lightweight for touring. That's wild. So, I mean, it's almost an un- an undoable set of circumstances. I mean, it pretty much has to be a one quiver, do everything ski. And uh, I love how the military comes up with the specifications. They're like, okay, we have average of, you know, our, our green berets and and average gear they carry. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, they were they ended up making skis for retired special forces all over the world. And I guess people were like, they loved them so much that all their buddies wanted them too. So hmm. they, uh, they've they been doing a, a fantastic job. I mean, I've never even seen their skis. No. I've never skied on them, but apparently the military loves them. And they actually look pretty cool. They look really cool. And the ones they do for the military, they're all white. Yeah, that's so right. For camouflage purposes. Love that. They look really, really cool. I lost my ski. I can't find it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like a ninja, like a, like a snow ninja. Like a snowtrooper. Snowtrooper. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So congratulations to Romp, and uh, hopefully we can get out to Crested Butte in the near future and uh, try out some of their skis. Yeah, the Butte. The Butte. All right, so next we have uh, SIA, which is the Snow Industry... What does it stand for, SIA? Association. Industry Association. They have their big... Uh, I guess every year they have their big 
convention and the the snow show, yeah, the snow show. They have you know they show all the new gear that's coming out for the next season, and I guess it's you know pushing the edge of what's coming kind of stuff. So they came out with a ton of stuff. So we actually have links from Powder Free Skier outside online, uh, TGR, um, and um, Ski Magazine. Everybody put out like their best to show what they loved. So Brian and I were talking about this before, and uh, there's a few things that I, I only picked out a few things that I that I noticed. And I know you had some that you had. Yeah, there were two yeah. things that kind of stood out for me. One of them uh, was from Helly Hansen. So they created, they have their Uller collection that they do, and they have an Uller onesie. It's this like it's orange, it's freaking awesome. That was one of the ones that I. It picked looks almost too. like a hunting outfit because it's orange. And it's got a little bit of black, or like a work outfit, like if you're working on the road or something. You know, the big orange thing, like direct, like Department of Corrections. Yeah, or you kind doing, of, you know, whatever, cleaning out, you know. Yeah, it's this snow removal or something. Like it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's this full like orange. Uh, like I said, onesie. It's got one, you know, big diagonal zipper that kind of goes from like your uh, crotch region all the way up to your neck. It's on a bit of a, like I said, a diagonal, and it's got some, you know, black sleeves and then black. Uh, Helly Hanson. That's the pants. new thing with their their zippers. Are I think that was the new style this year, right? They did the crooked zipper. I mean, a lot of different companies do it. I've got you know that Mammut jacket. Mine does that too. Oh, yours is crooked too. Wow. It goes well, kind of goes like past your neck, and there's like yeah. another little zipper in the, the huh. front as well. Well, I guess you put your chin down. You don't want to yeah. scratch. You don't get the zipper right in your face, which yeah. is nice. So this is a this is a pretty cool. That uh, is really neat. Pretty cool piece. And also, this was I found this. This was from um, uh, Avatech. So it's called the Avatech Scope, and what it is is it's a, a several sensors that fit inside your backcountry ski pole. And uh, the, scope, the scope has multiple sensors, and it's in the pole. And what you can do is when you put this into the snow, it actually reads the density of each layer of snow as, you're, you, know, as you plunge it into the, into the you know, snow. And that data is sent to a small computer in the top of the scope and then goes to an app on your phone called Mountain Hub. And it allows you to analyze the layers of snow based on the hardness scale, um, the same scale used to analyze layers in an avalanche pit. And there's the, the second sensor on there is a small camera that provides a depth reading. So the snow depth is important because you know skiers want to know how far down avalanche-causing layers are buried and how much snow sits on top. So this is, it's not supposed to replace an avalanche pit, um, and you still need to go for, you know, proper avalanche training. It is great to have but that it quick makes, read, though. But it just makes it a lot easier and safer, just yeah. getting these, you know, just plunging in, checking your phone, and getting those readings. So at least, you know, you have probably a, a you know, significantly less likely to get stuck in an avalanche getting this information. Well, that's just it. I mean, you do the pit in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go, if you traverse a long way, you're going to have to keep stopping and digging pits and testing the snow again. Or something like this makes yeah, it a little bit Yeah, things change easier. throughout the day. I mean, based on what it is, you know, from what something is in the morning versus yeah. the afternoon is going to be different. So having the ability to create your own forecast yeah. is, that's going to be huge. So <laughs> it's cool seeing this, and I'm sure, you know, the technology and availability of products like this are just going to keep increasing as the backcountry keeps getting, you know, more full of people. Yeah. 
So a few things that I noticed. I noticed there's a lot of goggles. Everybody's coming out with new <laughs> goggles. I mean, you, we were talking about Oakley has one. There's Jiro has one where they're like almost like frameless, and they're working with that and the optics. I guess everybody's still – it's still going to be one of those things where it's probably the most purchased item for ski equipment. Everybody gets multiple pairs. They keep mm-hmm. you know ruining them, getting new ones or whatever. So it, it, it's, different tints of lenses based on conditions and yeah, yeah. so it's interesting to see. Uh, one product I saw and Sirius they make a lot of um, you know heated gloves, heated socks. Like I've seen, they even have a heated jacket. Our buddy Steve has a heated jacket, and it has like the battery in it, mm-hmm. and it's like it looks like a shell, and you can wear it when it's cold out because it's actually like warming. So it's pretty wild to see that. Looks like he's just not wearing a jacket. It's like no, it's a it's heated. But they have these gloves now. They have gloves and mittens where they have the heat pack, the uh, the battery for the heat, uh, the heater in it, and you press a button and it heats up the glove. So it's pretty neat. That's so cool. Keep your, your gloves nice and toasty. Um, and then a lot of backpacks, too. There's the, you know, for the backcountry, the, um, the airbag is going to be more and more, more and more prevalent, which is good. I mean, it's just safer. Yeah, they're getting, you know, last year... Arcteric came out with that one that doesn't require the CO2 canister. Yeah. It was the battery-powered one. I wonder if they have that patented because BCA, theirs is still on the canister, mm-hmm. which I, I just saw. I was looking at that one. Most of them still are, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder if they patented and like they're the only ones that can make it for that's, a little while. That's possible, yeah. It's wild. And that seems so much easier for traveling. not Because, you know, you can't travel with those CO2 cartridges, so being able to just carry the battery-packed ones makes it easier for traveling. So, yeah, we'll see if... Uh, it seems like people have to get away from that that CO two, and they probably want to as well. It's just it's yeah, that's just the easiest thing to do at this point. And then one of the things that everybody put on their best of was, uh, Pac has um, this spin helmet, and I guess it's it's a lighter, and there's like a, it's a new slippery layer between the shell and liner that's supposed to help mitigate crashes even more. So I guess it slides a little if you crash, hmm. and it helps prevent. Uh, head trauma a little bit they're saying it reduces the rotational acceleration of the head by 50 percent compared to its competitors whoa which is wild so it's a lot safer so it's pretty neat to see and everybody's written it up so i guess everybody realizes wow this is a really good you know good tweak to uh to a helmet i mean 200 dollar helmet but I, I guess think most good helmets are going to be around 200 bucks now anyway right it's not like you know a thousand dollar helmet like yeah so Pretty interesting. Just different technology coming out. Yeah, very cool. All right, and then last but certainly not least, <laughs> Red Bull, again, Love changing the game. So this has been going on for a little while now, but this is a new discovery for us. We found this on uh, TGR had posted this this past week, and it looks like uh, Red Bull is trying to make cross-country skiing cool again. And apparently, according to TGR, they mildly succeeded. I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, it looks really awesome. So Red Bull has created a new sport called Nordic X. And, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, we've talked about it in the past, the, uh, the crash dice, which is, you know, it's almost, you wear hockey gear and they have this course set up. It's like a snow cross and snowboarding, but it's just dudes on, in hockey skates cranking away. And this Nordic X is kind of the same thing, but it's you're on cross country skis. You have your course set up. There's jumps. There's uphill climbs, 
and uh, there's a lot of crashing and debauchery and it's pretty <laughs> awesome it looks awesome because these dudes are on these little tiny narrow cross-country skis and they're taking these jumps and and uh it's it's a interesting mix of things it's you know the x games version of the you know olympic cross-country that's the only way you can really describe it well when you watch the video you think oh it's gonna be a little boring it's cross-country dudes going you know, whatever they're gonna go uphill they're gonna do their little skating thing mm-hmm. and then you see it and you're like holy crap they're like flying over jumps and when a cross-country skier goes and does like a big jump because they're getting pre- some pretty big air like those skis go out and it, they're like a you know one of those like ski jump jumpers at that point like mm-hmm. Like anything can happen. It's like a yeah, wild but, card. But they have popsicle sticks on their feet <laughs> as opposed to nice big wide skis that make a nice easy landing. It looks pretty awesome, I yeah. gotta say. Um and then like people are just crashing all over the place. They're crashing into the, the little walls and everything. Yeah. Like I said, this has apparently been going on for a couple years now, since like twenty twelve at least. But uh Yeah, some of the video was older and I was like, Wow, Yeah, there's some older stuff, but this is it's new to us, so we thought maybe you know, some of you guys haven't seen it yet either, so we're gonna post the the video links on the podcast page because it's definitely worth checking out. It's it, pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, if they have this, it's definitely entertaining to watch. Yep. Red Bull is, does a good time. All right, and that about wraps up the old ski news this week. Yeah. And then we have going right into our main topic. Yes, indeed, sir. So what are we talking about today, Brian? So we're calling this Utah Calling. Um, why are we calling it that? Well, because that's where we're going next week. Bum, so, bum, bum. The bums are going to Utah. Yes, we are heading out there. We are leaving on Tuesday, and we're spending a couple of days up at Snowbird, and then we're taking a drive and doing a couple of days in the Park City region to be determined where we're going to ski out there. But yeah, we're kind of wild card, and we're going to see what goes on, right? There's there's talks of driving to Snow Basin, mostly. I, I don't I, think I'm going to Snow I'm Basin. I'm putting that at that. about a 10% chance. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting back in a car, and I don't know. Yeah, we could go all fancy and go to Deer Valley. Canyons, um, Deer Valley, Park think, City, they're all right there, right? So Yeah. Well, Canyons and Park City are just Park City now. Yeah. But there's, um, yeah, they're connected, but it's like a, you know, if you're coming in from the Park City side, you have to go up a couple lifts and take a gondola, and it's probably like an hour of, you know, messing around, traversing, and transferring to get over to the canyon side, which is the preferred side. So so we've been doing a lot of research and paying attention to what's going on up at Snowbird. So that's going to be our... Uh, our first stop. It's on probably our trip. where we're just going to go balls out. We're going to be all excited. We're going to be all fresh legs, and we're just going to just beat ourselves up. Yes, for pretty two much. Days. Yep. I like how the snow report. I'm looking at their uh, mountain report, and they actually have a report of the road. So they're like, the road is open. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which, so you've never been out there before, no. right? So I've been there once before, and yeah, the the road getting there is no joke. I mean, if they have significant snow, they will close the road. And blast for avalanches because you're in this little tiny valley. This road, you know, it's called Little Cottonwood Canyon, and there's just it is it just a freaking canyon, and it's a two lane road going up, and it's probably ten miles from the town outside of it, Sandy, to kind of wrap through to get to where Snowbird and Alta are. Wow. Well, it's funny. You click on so it says open, and then you click on the details of it. And then, like, the road is open in slick areas. Please be cautious of black ice. Drive safely. And snow tires are required 
through May 31st. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, it's, it's no joke. But it's good that they have that, so you know. We're going to have to uh, get the alert when we land because we're actually going to rent a uh, vehicle and drive. So Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yeah, we're psyched for checking that out. Um, like I said, I've been there once before. It was a, a fantastic trip. Last time I was out there, though, one thing that, you know, with with my lovely wife, Andrea, and the one thing we did, because they had the policy where you got a free lift ticket the day you flew out to Utah. So we're like, awesome, we'll fly out, we'll go ski for a little bit, it'll be great. <laughs> well, we had to go to JFK Airport and have like a 7.30 a.m. flight. So we had to be up at like, you know, before 5.00. And, of course, the night before, I was up late packing and clearing off mm. my memory cards for my GoPro. So I was exhausted. I didn't drink enough water on the plane. Uh. We got there. Immediately, we got you know went up to Snowbird. We went to the lodge, got food, and got a drink. <laughs> Again, another bad move. <laughs> and then went out. And I kid you not, I skied for probably 15 seconds and felt like I was going to die. Because nice. when you're at Snowbird, I think it's like 8,000 feet. I just looked it up. It says the base is 7,700 uh, 7, feet, but the top elevation is 11,000. So they said the lowest chairlift is 8,100 feet. So you're above 800 feet, uh, 8,000 8, 8, <laughs> feet the whole time, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no joke. That's so if you're... Pretty substantial. That, that was like Telluride was about this. Exhausted, yeah. dehydrated, had booze. Not good. It's a terrible combination. So we're being a lot smarter this time. We're Going with a plan. We've got a plan this time. We're getting in um, in the afternoon, and we're just going to make sure we hydrate, sleep, not ski the day we get there, and get ready for uh, to crush it on, on Wednesday. Yeah, now we did look into a bunch of, like, snowcat thing and backcountry, and I think with as much snow as they, they've gotten, I think we're just going to wing it and just go out there and maybe just ski the resorts and dabble a little backcountry but we'll see we'll play that by ear yeah so we were looking and they had a um they had the the snowcat trip that you can take and i think that one was the uh they have a morning half day tour yeah so you go from 7 30 to 12 30 you get breakfast and an orientation and then you do uh, a guided backcountry snowcat ski tour they actually said there's like no skinning and not a lot of hiking on that either which i was surprised no yeah it's snowcats picking you up pretty much yeah so they have they have that tour and they have the private custom tours as well, which is like an all day package for up to ten people, seven thirty a.m. to three thirty p.m. But that one rolls in at a whopping forty five hundred dollars. Oof. So, yeah, the other one is only three ninety five per person, but it's for a half day. So again, we're not saying we're not going to do it, but we're probably not going to do it. We didn't make reservations. We're going to bring out beacons and, you know, our gear, our avalanche stuff, mm-hmm. just in case. But yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll play it by ear. But that's one of the options you have up there. Um, there's a couple of, uh, of cool boot packing opportunities we're hopefully going to take advantage of. Yeah. And I, know, I have to do some intel on the mountain itself. If anybody has any intel that they want to share with us, Send it to us. I mean, we're going to be using... Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Right. I mean, we're going to be using FatMap, so we're going to be going on that, doing our little lookup on that for the terrain and avalanche warnings and where to get some, some good snow. And as usual, we'll talk to... We talk. We always talk to people. You know, how's it going? Where's a good place to go? People at work there. You know, 
whoever's willing to give advice will take it. Yeah, we want to listen. We want people who are experts and who know the mountain well enough to kind of give us some some tips and tricks. Yeah, it looks like they're going to get a little bit of snow dustings uh, over the next few days, so it's good. And do you know what Snowbird's sister city is? It's in Europe, right? Oh, it is. Um, No, I don't. We have been there. It's not Ishkel. Zermatt? Zermatt. Really? Yes. Zermatt is Snowbird's sister city. That's another thing I could cross off the bucket list. Skiing in two sister cities. There you go. I didn't have it on the bucket list, but I'm putting it on there now so I can so cross you can it scratch off. it off, right? <laughs> Perfect. Never thought I'd want to do that until you just said that. <laughs> See? <laughs> Again, that's what this podcast does. We're here to educate. Educate and expand your mind. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to do uh, Snowbird for two days, and then we're going to wander on over to Park City. And I like that scheduling because we can hit hard at Snowbird. Because <laughs> Snowbird is is just one of my favorite places to ski. It's so awesome. You know, it's it doesn't have the the ski town vibe that, you know, some of the bigger places do. I mean, down in, when you're at the bottom, there's nothing going on. Yeah. There's a, a steakhouse, there's a Mexican restaurant, and there's a couple of little places, but that's it. I Just mean, there's skiing and that's it. You're there to ski. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very secluded. It's it's beautiful. It's really really awesome. Um, and you can hit it hard there. And then you can go to Park City and then you can kind of it's kind of like the victory lap. Yeah. You know, because the mountains are not they're still good. They're still really good, but they're not well, as badass as a uh, Snowbird and Alta. Well, it's funny when I called to make the reservation at Snowbird, I was talking to the person, you know, doing the reservations, and I'm like, "Well, you know, it's my first time being out there, so my friends have been out, you know, so we're going to take everything in. We're going to do a few days there and then we're going to go somewhere else." And he's like, "Oh, cool." He's like, "You're going to have a great time here." He's like, "Tell mm-hmm. me all about the mountain and all." He's like, "Where are you going to go after Snowbird?" Cuz we did 2 days. And I'm like, oh, we're going to go to Park City. He's like, well, he's like, you're going to realize how small Park City is in relation to Snowbird. <laughs> uh, he's he's like, that's like the little mountain. He's like, then hit it hard at Snowbird, and then you can relax there. I was like, all right. So, you know, it was pretty funny. The guy was like, yeah, that's the little mountain. So it'll yeah, be it'll I, be interesting. At only six thousand feet, yeah. you know, the uh, the base. It's not that. Uh, it's not nearly as big. But yeah, you know. There's uh there's something to be said for Park City. There's there's parts of it that are very cool and there's interesting places to ski, like Deer Valley, for instance, which if anyone's ever been, it's pretty much a skiing country club. That's it's, that's highfalutin. That's it is that's extremely us. highfalutin. That has highfalutin ski bums all over it. Ski bums but highfalutin ski bums. And there's no snowboarders allowed, that's which is right up our alley too. Kind of nice. But you take you know, I remember going up on one of the lifts there and I'm looking down at this house and and I, I looked up, you know, similar houses in that area. It's like a $24 million house. And you know the person who owns it doesn't live there. That's like that's like their third or fourth house. There for a little while. They've got a house in Hawaii, probably on Kauai. Hopefully they open up to people to just open invite, come on and crash whenever they want. Have a sexy commune. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I doubt it, but possible. Just saying that in my mind, everybody's sharing. I mean, the food there is just, I mean, it's really high-end, ridiculous food. The I, One thing is the bathrooms. Like, the bathroom fixtures <laughs> at the lodges at Deer Valley are nicer than any bathroom fixture of any house I've ever lived in, or wow. actually even gone to. It's it's strange. Wow. Talk you go to, like, this, you go to the, um, you know, the ski shops, and there's, like, those $2,000, like, Bogner... I'm in like a skiing Air Force jackets, yeah. you know. There's like <laughs> yeah. weird medals and badges on there that you're like, what is, 
what is this thing? Uh, it's that kind of place. Yeah. It's the opposite of Snowbird. Let's just put it that way. I'm so, just gonna you're gonna experience both, and I'm just gonna say it's the opposite of Snowbird. You gotta wear the Dumb and Dumber fur and the little the, the uh, tassels, right? The we're gonna do the Lamborghini. Hat. That's for Lamborghini. Sure. Yes. That that's how we're gonna have to roll around. Pretty much. <laughs> and then, but one of the cool things that you know we kind of discovered while doing our research for the trip is you can do what's called the Ski Utah Interconnect Tour. That looks pretty cool. From Park City, or you can do it from Snowbird. So what this is, it's a um, it's for advanced to expert skiers who want an opportunity to do a bunch of different resorts. So they have a six-resort option and a four-resort option. Um, so what it is, is the, uh, the six-resort one is from, it leaves from Deer Valley. They do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And you actually ski Deer Valley, Park City, Solitude, Brighton, Alta and Snowbird, hmm. and the backcountry terrain between those resorts. Wow. It's about 25 miles, and then you, you end at Snowbird, and they drive you back on a bus. And then there's the other one that leaves from Snowbird, which is Thursdays and Saturdays, and you do Snowbird, Alta, Brighton, and Solitude. And they say that one's more advanced. The one from... Yes. Yeah. That one's more advanced. That one they had, like, warnings on, like, you got to be able to keep up. We'll yeah, drop you. Like that's the gnarlier terrain up there. Yeah. Um, while the... the you know, the terrain down at, you know, Deer Valley and Park City is a little more mellow in comparison. And I love how they say it. They're just like, if you can't make it, we're going to drop you off at one of the other locations and find your way back. But, yeah, if you can't keep up your... Yeah. It's about 400 bucks a person. Um, It includes, you know, lift access and you get a lunch included. But it looks like a really cool trip. Now, we were... I saw this and I'm like, we have to do this. And then... Mario brought things back to reality a little bit more. Well, this is after I was mulling over. I was all jazzed about it. And then I'm thinking, I'm like, let me let me project how I'm going to feel on those days. Yeah, because this would be on the third day. So we would have hit it really hard at Snowbird Wednesday and Thursday. And as I recall, our last year's trip out to Jackson Hole, I remember our first two days of skiing, we were so giddy for the snow and the trees. We hit it so hard. That the Wednesday, or the the Tuesday, the third day we were going to ski, we were like, I I can't even consider skiing right now. Well, we I'm wanted so to do pain. the um, we wanted to do the backcountry with Tommy, right? And we wound up having to push it because he was busy. So we wound up skiing the third day and skiing the fourth day just in a row, which was just was a lot. No, we skipped the third day, so we could. Oh, we did skip the third. So day. we could do the tour, the backcountry tour, the fourth day. Yeah, the first two days were ridiculous. It was we just hit it so hard. That we were just decimated by the third day. It was so much fun, though. It was so awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're playing it by ear, but we're probably leaning towards not doing that. But, again, we don't know where we're going to ski in Park City yet. Probably canyons. That's that's what I'm thinking. Maybe Deer Valley for a day. Um, but, again, there's other things are still on the menu. Wild card. And speaking if, of menu. Speaking of menu. We have a lot of good food options, I think, uh, are planned for Park City. So. Mm-hmm. We already have reservations at one place, and the other place I don't think takes reservations. So your favorite that you brought up, I think we're going to try to do High that. West Distillery. That uh, place, um, it's right. If you've been to Park City, there's a town gondola that goes up to the resort. And the High West Distillery is pretty much right next to it. And it's been known as one of the better restaurants in town. They, uh, they do a bunch of great whiskeys. Um, one of my favorite is the Campfire they do 
which is a blend of scotch, rye, and bourbon. Mm, bourbon. It's it's a really funky, different drink because you have like that smokiness of the scotch, the um, you know, kind of the that strong rye flavor plus like the sweetness of the bourbon mixed together. It's uh, it's funky. It's really good though. Hmm. Um, the food there is awesome as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of meat, steak, elk kind of options. Um, so I'm I'm psyched to go there again. That place was really, really cool. I think we're planning that for Thursday maybe, right? Because we're getting in Thursday and I don't... They don't take reservations, so that's probably the best day to do it. Yeah. Since it's probably the least crowded of uh, of all the days. Yeah, we're thinking that. And then um, on Saturday, I think we have reservations. That's where our buddy Ryan made reservations for uh, Tupelo Park. Well, Tupelo Park City, which is... Um, Another very nice looking restaurant. Uh, I think it's more. It's like a farm to table place, and handcrafted ingredients. The food looks amazing. So, won a lot of awards. The menu looks pretty wild. Yeah, um, it won like the Salt Award. Yeah, which I guess is from the Salt Lake Tribune. But yeah, even the menu looks pretty pretty wild. So, that'll be a nice big eating day. Yeah, we're gonna be uh, celebrating. Pretty much the uh, our last night there. That'll be the the Saturday night. Yeah. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. Now I know there's plenty of breweries like you know Wasatch Breweries right there in Park City. Uh, I was looking at some some beer menus because you know Utah has those weird laws where they have like the three point two percent beers on draft. Mm. Hmm. We'll have to get into the, you know we'll have to ask some questions and figure things out. Cause from what I remember last time they said they can't do anything more than five percent on draft. Wow. And they so, haven't changed any laws, you, th- you don't think? Well, I'm not sure. <clears throat> yeah. You know, we'll have to, um, you know, we'll revisit have to that. But that's what I remember last time they were saying, because I wanted to get an IPA, and they're like, well, technically we can't do IPAs because they're, by definition, have to be over 5%, and we can't do that because of our stupid laws. Wow. In this, you know. Hmm. So, again, I don't think they maybe they've revised things at this point, because I know you used to need a sponsor to drink back right. in the day, but I think they've changed that at least. So... We'll see. But again, they they're you know, you can get bottled beer and I was looking at one of the places at Park City. I think it's like the something pig saloon, hmm. which is right by the main Park City Mountain Resort. I'm thinking of pork and entrance. eating now. <laughs> yeah. And they were I was looking at their beer menu and they actually had some really nice stuff on draft. I was looking at, you know, rate beer. Pig pen saloon. The pig pen saloon. There you go. Huh. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out the whole après ski, where we go. It's it's nice because the group that we're going with isn't really stuck up, so it's kind of like people are just, nobody cares where we go. Let's <laughs> find a place. and As long as there's uh, there's beers available, people it, will be happy. Yeah, we're kind of pretty easy going. Yeah, so, they, um, so this is right where Park City Mountain Resort is. They have this, it's within the, uh, it's right at the bottom there, by the, where the main lifts are. And looking at the beer menu, you know, they had a couple. I looked up a couple of these, and they're Budweiser and Miller Lite, dude. You know what they have? They have a Kokanee. <laughs> Remember that was like the the Kokanee. ghetto Canadian yeah. beer. Yeah, big Canadian. So I think it was the uh, the Wasatch Ghost Rider. I think the Unita Hopnosh. Mm-hmm. That one was supposed to be good, and I think the Squatters Hop Rising. Hmm. And now what's cool is they have the L's next to that, which means local. So a couple of these beers are local ones. And, you know, we're big fans of 
you know, trying to get what's what's local because, you know. Yeah. It's brewed right there. It's fresh. It's brewed right there. Absolutely. It's fresh. And, you know, a lot of these beers you can't get everywhere here. So right. why not experience them? I can get a freaking Sierra Nevada anywhere. You know, That's I can get a true. Lagunitas anywhere. So we try to expand our beer horizons and, and try things that are local. We were drinking uh, in Whistler. We're drinking Whistler Brewing Company. They yeah. had that really good brown ale that we liked. And um, what was that smug? What was that one with the weird name? Wiggles and Smugglestein or something? Uh, that IPA? Yeah, it was a good IPA. Muggle, Fuggles and oh, I think it was Fuggles and Whittles or something. Huh. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll also see if there's a signature cocktail that, you know, we we get onto. Because the last time we were with this crew, that's when we started drinking a lot of uh, Moscow Mules. Yeah. Because our buddy Tom started just drinking, and we're like, why do you keep drinking those? i got to have one now. And then that was your jam. That's been your jam ever since, right? Uh, ever since being reunited on that trip with the Moscow Mule, it's been uh, heaven ever since. Fuggles and Warlock. That was it. Fuggles and Warlock. Yeah, huh. they're out of Richmond, British Columbia. Wow. Yep. But yeah, we're uh, we're keeping our options open. We uh, we're not really sure. Like I said, Park City is all very open. We we're going to be very focused at Snowbird, but yeah, in Snowbird, there's not many options, so we'll just go with whatever is there and have a good time. Just kind of yeah. There's the, the steakhouse. We'll probably hit up one night. Yeah, I think that's right where we're staying. Like right by the tram. Right by the tram. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so we're excited. So if you guys have any tips or advice, please hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on any of our social media, like facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, or hit us up on Pinterest. We are the Highfalutins. You... The Utah. <laughs> it is time for Under the Ropes. We're going Under the Ropes, man. It's going to be uh, a, a theme of next week, I'm sure. Yes, sir. Um, Got some fun stories this week. Fun stories. So, if anybody doesn't know, you've been hiding in your, you know, if you've been hiding in your cave, <laughs> uh, it, it was Groundhog's Day uh, this week. So, today, actually. Um, so, they're saying we're going to have six more beautiful weeks of winter. Puxatawney Phil. That's right. Now, there's some controversy around this because I was w- uh, watching the news before, and they have Pucks Tony Phil said one thing. They have something in Philly, right? Some Philly rat or whatever. Trash they, bag. <laughs> <laughs> probably bites people or something. It's nasty. I don't know. That's Philly. They're saying that didn't say the same thing that Pucks Tony Phil said, so who knows? Everybody wants to do their own little Well, I think Phil is pretty much the uh, – he's like the Al Roker of groundhogs pretty much, right? He's, he's the standard. Yeah. When you think of Groundhog's Day, you think of him. Pretty much. He's like the guy. And you you read something that he was not in a great mood today? <laughs> he said it was unusually feisty. <laughs> now, this is this is perfect. I just typed in like Philadelphia and Groundhog. And Philadelphia Magazine, this is their headline, Stupid Groundhog See Stupid Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Way to keep it real, Philly. Parksatani Phil, the stupid groundhog in Pennsylvania, saw his stupid shadow today, which means we have six more weeks of stupid winter. <laughs> I'm, sur- I'm surprised they didn't, uh, you know, shoot him, you arrest shoot him, him. throw snowballs, throw batteries at him, at him. Just yeah. throw snowball batteries, right? Oh my Freaking god, way to go, Philly! You know what? Some people would be uh, happy that we're getting six more weeks of winter. 
We'd prefer 60 more weeks of winter. I want to see why Phil was ornery. Was he, like, biting people? Was he uh, scratching people? Maybe Phil people? had a rough night sleep, you know? Was he crapping everywhere? What was going on with Phil today? They said he was in an unusually feisty mood. <laughs> it's pretty But well. once he settled down, he saw his shadow. Probably running around, like, trying to get out. What do out. you think he thinks about Phil? Like, I mean, he knows, like, once a year this lunacy just happens. Do you think every day he gets up, he's like, is it today? Is it today? Yeah, right? All right, good, not today. Is it today? <laughs> not today. And then he forgets because he's a groundhog. And he, I mean, I don't know what sort of long-term memory capability groundhogs have. Do the, you think they do trial runs with him? Like, let's let's get him, you know, acclimated to the, you know, the scenario where we take him out and stuff. Yeah. Maybe every month have, like, a groundhog, you know, run through. Yeah, well, you know what? And now they're trying to come up with these all these rival groundhogs. Like you got Staten Island Chuck. Yeah. Who apparently has an 80% accuracy rating. Yeah, he comes out of the garbage heap. He was saying early spring. Yeah. <laughs> the garbage. He comes out of that big Arthur Kill garbage heap, and you know, it's like the trash guy spoken, you know? Uh, <laughs> you might as well call him garbage, whatever his Staten name. Island Chuck. Garbage Chuck. Yeah. I mean, how many fills are there? Like, how how many have they gone through? Oh, it's the same one. He's just alive for, like, 200 years. 131. It's the 131st time that Puxatawney Phil has shared his meteorological ideas with a grateful nation. They sat down. They had a summit. It's the what is summit. What is his return rate? Like, what is his uh, accuracy ratings? Oh, I did see a uh, a link for that. Yeah. Let's see. But, yeah, Staten Island Chuck, he seems to be doing pretty well 80 percent god this is the dumbest tradition ever in the history of traditions. you might as well just flip a coin more or less right all right so they have a breakdown of how accurate he is they're saying in the past 28 years he's he's been correct 13 times out of 28 years that's not very good so less than 50 percent yeah you're better off flipping a coin in other words yeah uh they're saying Predictions have been proven correct 39% of the time. Mm. So he's only half as good as Staten Island Chuck. Well, does Chuck come out and say, this is exactly it? Yeah, pretty much. And then in Canada, in Nova Scotia, they have Shubinacady Sam. Oh, they do it too? Yeah. Get out of here. And apparently Shubinacady Sam and Staten Island Chuck were on the same page. Thinking it's springs around the corner. Really, I think both those groundhogs can go fuck themselves. <laughs> that's what I think. They're bandito. I'm on Team hogs. Phil. Team Phil. That's Team right. Team Phil. He was in a movie. He was Bill yeah. Murray. I. He was driving a car in that movie. Puxatawney Phil. That's our guy. That's right. Yeah. It's all Puxatawney. Yeah. So allegedly, the MC said he's squealing. He's hollering. Phil is feisty. <laughs> <laughs> Phil has rabies. <laughs> yeah. Phil's a little rabid today. Just stay Phil back. Phil has rabies. Just don't handle him. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, take that for what you will, everybody. But we're all here, of course. Or, or flip a coin. Or flip a coin. <laughs> we're hoping for uh, another 12 to 19 more weeks of winter. That's right. Buckle in. It's going to be a long one. That's right. <sighs> all right. So this, now we have some bad news. U.S. Bacon Reserves hits a 50-year low I'm going to go out tomorrow and buy bacon. You know that. Pork belly futures. I'm going to just stockpile it. Pork belly futures are off the charts. Oh, yeah. If you did, that's 
buying you corn on the market on pork bellies right now. Yeah, pig farmers are struggling to keep up with the vast U.S. appetite for bacon, causing reserves to hit the lowest level in 50 years and sending prices flying upward. Wow. Today's pig farmers are setting record historical records by producing more pigs than ever, yet our reserves are still depleting. Ugh. It's reported that demand for frozen pork bellies is outpacing farmers' ability to produce and sell. While bacon may become more expensive for consumers, rest assured the pork industry will not run out of supply. So, hmm. you know, um, I'm not sure if I trust the uh, trust that it won't run out of supply. I think we got to start stockpiling now. Get your freezers full of bacon and uh, prepare. Because I don't know what a life without bacon would be like, but it seems dark and full of sadness. Wow. They're saying roughly 60% of all pork that was produced last year was processed into products like bacon and sausage. Wow. Wow. So they're not just smoking it. They're making that bacon. Yeah. Mm. Now I want bacon. Oh, dude, I have the bacon jerky. Ooh. I got bacon jerky at Trader Joe's. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't understand how they do bacon jerky, but I, I want to try it out. I figured I'd have it for breakfast. It's not a bad move. Mix up some eggs, throw the little bacon jerky on there. Oh, that sounds really good. I'll show it to you after the show. Nice. Um, all right, so next we have another sad story. And this is sad for what happened, but it's also just sad for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so another dolphin killed by morons dragging it from the sea to take photographs of it. So apparently this happened last year in Argentina and this year in Buenos Aires, um, there's footage of these people, uh, wanting to pet this dolphin that they found in the water. I guess it came close to the shore. They found it in the water. They took it out of the water and started taking pictures with it and petting it. And the thing died. What the fuck is wrong with people? They're idiots. So because they want to take these selfies and, and little phone shit to put on their goddamn stupid picture, probably, of them being Look, stupid. Look, we're Snapchatting and we're switching faces. My face Aww. is the dolphin face and dolphin face is my face. Isn't that adorable? It's worth killing a creature for that. I just want to beat everybody that was involved Did with this. Do they at least eat the dolphin? Probably, I don't know. Probably not. I just want to beat everybody that was there because they, they they're all idiots. Yeah. You know, just leave the dolphin alone. He's cool. He's hanging out. He's a baby dolphin, too. So, so were both of these in Argentina? Because um, Buenos Aires is Argentina, right? Yeah, so hmm, I, I don't know if it was the same beach. It might have been a different beach, but mm-hmm. yeah, apparently they're, they've done this before. So, God damn, idiots. Yeah. Why would you do that? I, I don't understand people. Come on. Come on, man. We're better than that. I know we are. No, we're not. There's so many stupid people taking pictures. You know, it goes on to, you know, this is one instance of it, but you see people all the time Snapchatting and taking pictures where they shouldn't. Like, it's it's just ridiculous. It's out of hand. Well, this summer I saw someone playing uh, friggin' Pokemon Go while driving. Oh, yeah, that's In a car while I was riding a bike next to them in the bike lane, just hoping I didn't get... Murdered by one of these assholes. Yeah, they, they they mow somebody down. What's what's the big difference? They're my bad, their, dog. My bad. They're playing Pokemon Go. That's more important. My right? bad. Fucking idiots. Yeah. It's just pissing me off. And you know, the other thing, too, is like I, I thought about it. Um, we went to Jay Peak. I was like, you know, I should take some pictures. I'm like, I don't really want to get my phone out. And then the stupid Facebook app doesn't load up right away because <laughs> there's all these ads on there. And I'm like, 
fuck this. I'm just going to enjoy the ski day. And I thought about it. I was like, you know, that not that what life is about? Live in the moment. Live in the moment. Yeah, be you present. Take, you want to take pictures? Stop. Take your pictures or whatever. You know, but people be in the middle of, like, going down a ski run um, and we'll be with skiers, boarders, and, like, you know, a group of people. And then somebody stops and, oh, I want to take a picture. Well, fuck you. Take a picture. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll see, I'll see you back. I'll meet up with you later. You know, yeah, that's one of the biggest problems we have in our society right now is people are not present. Yeah, you know, people are always trying to take pictures and do this and do that, and it's you're not living in the moment, you're not enjoying, it. you're not feeling and embracing. Yeah, everything the moment has. So instead, you go to the beach to take a picture of a dolphin and kill the thing. It's fucking idiots, dicks, bunch of dicks. All people right. are dicks. Well, now on to slightly happier <laughs> animal news. So the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show is coming up. And it's the February 11th, 13th, and 14th. They are going to add new breeds to this show. This thing gets bigger and bigger every year, right? It's like the Super Bowl. Didn't it's, they have it after the Super Bowl one year? They had it before, I think. Well, they have the Puppy Bowl before, Aww, which is adorable. Cute. But this was the this is the week after. Nice. So they are now going to have the American Hairless Terrier. That looks pretty cool. Which is an it looks almost plastic. This dog. Yeah, it looks fake, right? Yeah. Um, the Sloffy. Oh, cute. Which is a furry little teddy bear looking guy. Oh, Slogie. It's pronounced. Slogie. Sorry. Uh, the Pumi, which is a hunting class dog. And now the craziest part, they're going to have cats. Nice. Dogs and cats together. Mass hysteria. I don't really know how the cat part is going to work. I mean, they obviously can't be in the same, you know, grouping. They, they're not going to, I mean, because it's like, they're two different species. Well, it's not even the same. It's a kennel club, so it's usually been dogs, you know. So now they're introducing it into their show, which is well, it's like weird. it's like all right, say you know we're saying topical Super Bowls coming up, NFL playoffs. It's like okay, we've got seven team, seven football teams, and one soccer team in there, or having wine at a beer festival. It's just if you're going to rate things, if it's going to be a competition, you can't have something completely different in there. It's like we're having an ice cream sundae contest with one pizza. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, uh, I don't know. Well, think about it in terms of, so they're in the pet business, right? They're primarily dogs. They're ruling out 50% of their market by not having cats in there. They want to, you know, get that other. I think they have the dog market kind of locked down. That's what I'm saying. So they're like, how can we expand? How can we get bigger? Bringing cats. These are nice cats, though. They're very nice cats. They're showing that Bengal. Pretty nice. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know if they're going to have the same criteria for the cats as they can for the dogs. Yeah. Could you imagine the cat being led around on, like, a leash that way? Well, those cats and having can. its, like, butt sniffed and, like, checking its genitals. They walk around. Those It'll rip your freaking face off. <laughs> yeah. Well, the supposedly... standing for that nonsense. Supposedly, supposedly the Bengals are one of the few ones that can be harness trained, right? So mm-hmm. they'll probably, you know, walk them around and I don't know what they'll do. We'll they'll see. just sit on the little pedestal and lick themselves. Who knows? Pretty much. So stay tuned. Westminster Kennel Dog <laughs> Show coming up. It'd be the funniest shit. They're like, okay, we're going to bring the cats out. And the cat's just like, I ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Like, bitch, please. That's funny. Yep. All right. I think it's bigger every year. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> if anybody didn't know, um, which I didn't know at first, uh, El Chapo. Old the El Chapo? The El Chapo. Would you say El Chapo is in Brooklyn? <laughs> yes, I would. Um, he's El in a Brooklyn Chapo's jail now. In the house. <laughs> That's right. 
uh, he's in the Brooklyn jail now, and they're saying there is no effing way he's going to tunnel his way out of any of that place. <laughs> so um, I guess they're saying he's being held at, where is it? Because they extradited him, brought him to New York City, and then they put him into this jail in uh, Brooklyn, which has been written up as, um, they actually did a, a story on it, and there was a book on it, on solitary confinement, um, about this prison, and it was it was it titled "Hell is a Very Small Place." Jeez. So they're saying some of the things about this place is it's almost completely made out of cement, including your desk, um, your bed, everything, and they're saying it gets freezing cold, and then in the winter they actually have you know um, mesh metal on the on the outsides and stuff. And it heats up and it gets very hot. So they say it's just you're cold as anything in the winter and you're hot as anything in the summer. And it's very not very comfortable. Uh, they actually said they had, I think they said two people did escape one time. A lot of people have tried. Uh, three prisoners did so um, successfully by sawing through the, the bars of their cell. Um, and then three years later... Uh, somebody hijacked a helicopter and tried to scoop an inmate <laughs> off of the oh my God. rooftop recreation area <laughs> without success. So, so without success, does that mean somebody fell off the roof or did the helicopter crash? I don't know, man. I'd have to look that up. But Oof. I'm imagining if it was without success, they either... You're going to catch the helicopter. That's just it. Yeah. I mean, they're going to just follow you, especially now, today's day and age. Mm-hmm. We'll just shoot it down. <laughs> ro- shoulder, uh, shoulder held rocket launcher. That's right. Nice. So, Yeah, they're saying that one of the attorneys uh, who has defended suspects who have been housed there said it is worse than Guantanamo. It's about as soul-negating existence as there is in this country in the federal system. Wow. It's or, like all solitary too, right? There's no like. It's, they're saying he's gonna be gonna be put in solitary. Yeah. Wow. Oof. Throw, put him in a cell, and lock away the key. Yeah, that sucks. Well, I guess that's what you get for being a, uh, you know, one of the most notorious drug lords in the world. That's right. How many people did he have killed? Right. Oh yeah. Sure. Tons. So Godspeed, El Chapo. <laughs> Good luck to you out there. You could ride by. He's in Brooklyn. We just ride by. Hey, what's up, man? Get some other half beer and uh, go visit El Chapo. That's right. We're gonna drive by El Chapo. We'll see where he's yeah. at. All right. Next up. So you know we tend to try to find some some pretty cool, interesting, highfalutin things on the uh, this segment of the podcast. Oh, this is dope. And we came across this RV. It's called the Epic Elysium, and. It is a, you know, it's an RV, like a big bus, but it also has a hot tub and a helicopter pad, including the helicopter on the roof. Nice. This is a pretty serious machine. Um, so it's it's got like high-end kitchen appliances, uh, refrigerator, oven, wine fridge, three 75-inch TVs, a fireplace, a quote-unquote smart bathroom, toilet mm. and showers. Um, 45 feet long this RV is 8 feet wide 13.6 feet high wow this is better than my apartment this is better than any place I've ever lived wow yeah and it, like I said it comes with a mini helicopter and a place to land on the roof it's got a hot tub up there 
I mean, this thing, it looks like a luxurious hotel on the inside, but it's on wheels, and it's got a deck on top with a hot tub and a helicopter pad. Damn. Now, that helicopter pad seems pretty tight to land on. You got to be good. There's not a lot of room for error there. You got to be good. Yeah, you can't be uh, like, you know, oh, dude, you know, just got my license to fly a helicopter. You could drive this out to any ski area, jump on your helicopter, heli skiing. That's right. This is a self contained, like, ski lifestyle mobile. It's like, I don't know how many people that helicopter holds. It looks pretty small. I don't know if it's a two seater, three seater, whatever, but it looks like it's a one seater. So I don't know if yeah. you got to, like, does it have some sort of, like, drone mode where you can, like, jump out and it'll fly back? Oh, that would be good, too. Yeah, why don't they have like drone sure helicopters? It's at least a two-seater. Why don't they have drone helicopters? Yeah, like an autopilot, but just drone drone mode. Yeah, you can fly remote. Then you could self heliski. Seliski. 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 That would be perfect for this. Then you go out with another buddy. Boom! When you take the helicopter, get a heliski, comes pick you up, take you back to the uh, you know. Then you drive it back to the the RV. That's some next level shit right there. Hanging out in the hot tub. You're hot tubbing. You got your own hot tub. On top of your uh, RV. Boom. You can sit in the hot tub while you drive to the next resort. Right? Next gear. Yeah. You're like, I'm here. I think what we need is we got to see if we can fit three people in that helicopter. Then we get a driver that drives the RV and the helicopter whenever we want. Just, that's it. We just drive Or if around. it's a drone, he, he could re- like remote control it from the, uh, the actual RV. Yeah, or self-driving. Instead of coming up there. Self-driving RV. Come on, Google. Even better. Tesla, what's up? <laughs> Let's look. Tesla, what's up? Why isn't it made of solar panels? Uh, oh. You could have these solar panels come out and recharge and then come back in. And or Why the whole thing is just made out of solar panels? How about a nuclear reactor in there? just goes for like 200 years. Like a submarine. That's right. Perfect. Go silent. We're just going to hang out. <laughs> now, we'd need bacon, though. We'd need to stop for bacon. Mm. I wonder if they could prime drone deliver all our groceries. Right? I think they would have to. Drone delivery. They may be included in this. Or right? you could fly to Costco with the helicopter, load up, and then come back. Mm, I like the sound of that. So, yeah, yeah, so we'll post the link on the website, but it is the Epic Elysium RV. How much is it? We, they don't say how much it is, right? If you got to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> it's one of those kind of things. Well, what if I have, you know, $13 million burned a hole in my pocket? Is it $13 million? Is it twelve? Is it $50 million? I don't know. Is it possible to purchase this on layaway? <laughs> yeah. How, how about payments? Do you have a 50-year plan? Like, uh, maybe that could work out? Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure it costs more than the house I'm going to buy next, eventually. Damn. Yeah. It's well, a... now you have another option. What town you want to live in? Where are you going to park? You it? can't drive your house, but you can live in your car. Or your RV. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You can live in any town you want. Today you're in, in Chester. Tomorrow you're in Hoboken. The next day you're in Jersey Tell you City. Ride. Tell you ride. Boom. Bang. Boom. Like that. Yeah. Maybe North Tell you ride. South Tell you ride. Wherever I can fit my RV. That's right. Now, if you're hiding from somebody, it's perfect. You just leave town. Just yep. go somewhere else. All right. Next up, we have a cool, dope-ass mountain guest house in Switzerland. So I just came across this, and it just looked really cool. It's a 170-year-old hotel, um, and it's called the... Berggasthaus Asher Wildkirchli. That's really good. I'm glad you said it because I couldn't, couldn't say it. Uh, it is on, it's clinging to the, 
to the foot of a vertical cliff face and can only be accessed by a combination of cable car and hiking. <laughs> I mean, talk about being remote in a really cool area. Um, this looks pretty freaking awesome. Uh, so they have pictures of it, and it's just in the middle of nowhere, right on the side of this mountain. So it looks pretty neat. 170 years it's been there. That's amazing. Yeah, just yeah. There's a staircase, and there's a cliff face, and there's just the Alps. That's all that's really around it. It's pretty cool that stuff like this is just you know you'll look at a landscape, you're like, wow, this is really cool. There's nothing, and there's a little house in there. You know, what's cool about it too is you know it's 170 years old, and you know the person back then. You know, so what is 170 years ago? What are we talking? Is that uh, I'm trying to do the math in my head right now. So 18. 1870-ish around there. So, you know, think about what the population of the Earth was. 1846. Okay, 1846. I was off a bit. So think about what the, how, what the population was at that time compared to now. Someone was like, fuck this. I'm getting away from everybody. I'm going to build this house. I don't want to be near anybody. I don't want to deal with anybody. This is perfect. Fuck, fuck these other 2,000 people on this continent. Yeah. I got to get away. Done with them all. <laughs> And you know what? It was built to last. You know, yeah. the, the, whoever built it built it. You know, with the high quality materials, and it's still there today. Well, what's wild too is like you think about how you get the materials up there, and chances are they probably cut trees down and made it like there. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's a big, it's a big building, like a big uh, house. Yeah, it's like four stories, mm-hmm. right? three with the dormer on top. Yeah. Um, but that's wild. Yeah, so they must have. And it's on a cliff, so even to get stuff up there is, is going to be pretty tough. It's taking forever to build that thing. So yeah, they probably had you know a bunch of horses and then a bunch of people up there helping. I mean, it took 160 years to build this place. <laughs> that's right. They just finished. They it. just finished it. That's last why they decade. have the. That's why they have the article. They just opened it up. Yep. Yeah, it's wild. All right, you take the last story. I know this was uh, this was your baby. Oh, okay. So I just came across this, and it's just more interesting. Ending on a bummer. Anything. Ending on a bummer, but there's there's a light. At the, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. So there's a deadly illness that's killing hundreds of children in India, and it's caused by eating too many lychee fruit. Now I was like, what the hell's going on? I didn't realize like you always hear like um, the pit of a a peach has a little bit of ar- you know trace amounts of arsenic in it, right? So there are like in Foods that we eat, there's a little bit of poison sometimes, but, you know, we're bigger. That's how you build up resistance. We're a big animal. Like, we can handle and process that. Um, But I guess if you overdo it and you eat too much, so what happens is, um, and there's a lot of kids uh, in India, I guess, that, especially in these poor areas, so the only thing to eat, which it's funny because, like, you know, ironic funny, is here leeches are pretty expensive, where there it's probably just growing pretty wild so they're like well you know that's what they're they start eating so they're eating so many of these that they're actually getting uh seizures and swelling of the brain um and they're saying it's due to uh eating too many lychee fruit on an empty stomach so consuming large amounts of it um they say it's a a condition which they see every year with the lychee harvesting season i guess people just start eating them because they're all in season and uh they're saying uh, they produce a toxin called hypoglycin that stops the body from synthesizing glucose. So it leads to dangerously low blood sugar levels. So now if you're Jeez. if you're diabetic, this is like the medicine that you want to take. So yeah. I'm kind of like, 
you can actually make something from lychee fruit prior to uh, help counter uh, diabetes. Look at that. Diabetes type 2, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they said it's actually, it's it's weird. I guess this whole region has a lot of lychees that they harvest, and it's a, it's a problem out there. I'm like, wow. Never would have thought that. Yeah. I was like, you know. So if somebody says, do you want to eat all the lychees that you can on an empty stomach, you'd be like, hell no, I know what's going to happen. Apparently that's the new answer, yeah. And I guess they're kids, so maybe it's because they're, you know, smaller. Maybe it affects they can't them more. They can handle it, yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure, yeah, it's wild. I never knew. I wonder if that's the same with lychee martinis. If you have, like, a lot of them, will the same thing happen? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> that's right. All right. So that about wraps it up for the week. Yeah, I think we covered everything from mountain houses to dope-ass RVs to snow that's coming in, in volumes. Dangerous lychees. Oh, how about some dangerous lychees with some uh, the edible... Uh, Truffles? Uh, truffles. Ooh. There you go. That's the yin and yang right there. Yep. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please uh, go on to iTunes and your favorite podcasting apps and rate us. We really appreciate that. That would help us out tremendously. And also, please check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Send us an email, especially if you have any tips for Park City or Snowbird, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, soundcloud.com slash skibumpodcast, and on Pinterest as the hot So thank you guys, and we will hopefully talk to you from Utah or otherwise right after that. Stay high, stay gluten. See ya.